Everybody, thank you for listening to the Pentecostals of Louisville podcast today. This is taken from our most recent service. If you find it to be a blessing, would you share it with somebody that you know would be blessed by it as well? You can find us on Facebook if you simply type in the Pentecostals of Louisville and on Instagram if you type in the same. Our service times are Sunday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And if you've never joined us in person for service before, we'd love to see you there. God bless you. really can't think of any better day of the year than Resurrection Sunday to get your praise on. He's done so much for me that I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, let's put our hands together and give the Lord a good praise offering one more time before we get our Bibles. I mentioned he got up. like I know what he's done for me and why do you praise him because you can't tell it like I can tell it what he's done for me I know he's been good to you but he's been good to me too so I gotta praise him on Easter Sunday I gotta praise him if there ever was a day to praise him today's the day All right, all right, all right. Simmer down, simmer down. Woo! Get your Bibles if you would. We're going to do our best to get through our message here today, but someone's going to have their life changed. He that the Son is set free is free indeed. It's going to be the first day of the rest of somebody's life today. Amen. Amen. There's freedom in this place. There's life in this place. Newness of life. Resurrected life. Woo! 
Amen, 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 amen. This would be a good day to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, a good day to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. So I don't know. I don't want to be I don't want to be bound to my notes this morning. So we're going to get started and we'll see where where it leads, but I'm more interested than preaching you a sermon about Easter, I'm more interested in having that resurrection power fall on this place today. Amen. Amen. Get your Bibles. Turn me to John chapter 19. John chapter 19 and verse 38. Thank you, Jesus. John chapter 19, verse number 38. Thank you, Lord. It's been a little while since it's felt this right in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Since COVID, we've been coming back and we're still sitting families together and still trying to distance. And so we, every, every couple of weeks, we can feel a little different plateau, a little different level that we're reaching. And amen. This is, this is what church ought to feel like. Amen. Amen. People have their needs met in a service like this. Amen. Amen. Addictions can be broken in a service like this. There's faith in this place right now. Amen. There's healing for relationships in, in an atmosphere like this. Amen. This is the kind of atmosphere, amen, that makes it easy for the prodigal to come home. This is the kind of atmosphere that we all need. Amen. Amen. All right. John chapter 19, verse 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. This was no simple gesture of affection but these men felt deeply towards Jesus they they loved him and they couldn't uh, stand the thought of him hanging on the cross or not having a proper a proper burial so they 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 came with their their myrrh and their their aloes they came to honor him and to worship him they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There are several other stories in the Gospels that carry on that talk about that first morn of Mary and the women came to the, come to the tomb and how they too bring spices and their myrrh, and they bring it to put on the body. The spices, the myrrh, it was their way of honoring him, their way of worshiping him. And they came in the early hours of the morning. We're going to talk about that just a little bit. It was a dark day. The darkness had descended, and they didn't think there was going to be light. But there was. Me and Sister Griffiths were talking about this just a few days ago. That there's no service like Easter that shows 
that don't judge something by what you see right now. Don't judge it by what you see or the facts. But you need to judge it by what you know because the Lord said if you destroy this temple in three days, it'll rise again. The Lord already told them that I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. So they believed what they saw over what they knew and what they were told. But Easter shows us that don't ever judge a thing before God gets done. That God always has the last say. Amen. I want to speak to you just for a few moments this morning. I don't know exactly which direction we're going to end up. Amen. I'd, I'd love to end this morning with somebody coming to the altar and getting baptized with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Or getting baptized in the name of Jesus so your sins are be washed away today. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, amen, this Resurrection Sunday would be a great day to do that. Brother Griffiths, do I need the Holy Ghost? Yes, you need the Holy Ghost. Amen. Peter said, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off. Let me tell you, after you repent, you're just telling the Lord that I'm sorry for my sin and I'm sorry for disappointing you. And repent is a military term, which means I'm taking about face. I'm, I'm going to start walking the other direction. I used to walk towards this and towards that, but... But I know that's not pleasing to you, so I'm going to repent. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to forgive me for what I've done. And, but repentance means turning around and start walking the other way. You're repenting according to your flesh. You're trying to do what's right. But you cannot live for God by flesh alone. Because eventually your will and your flesh won't be strong enough to sustain you. That's why you need the Holy Ghost. For the Bible says that power shall come upon you after you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The things that you've been trying to overcome by yourself, you can overcome it once you get baptized in the Holy Ghost. The addictions that have been dogging you that you've been trying to break, once you get the Holy Ghost in your life, it'll break those addictions. You need the Holy Ghost in your life. And today is a great day to get that done. Amen. Brother Gibbs, how did I get it? Well, you just, you just need to repent of your sins. And somewhere in this service, if you'll just lift your hands, begin to worship the Lord, tell Him how much you love Him. I believe in this atmosphere, the Holy Ghost can fall on you here. The Holy Ghost can fall on you in the, ba in, in, in the balcony. It can fall on you anywhere. I tell people, Brother Griffiths, what's going to happen? Why do I say? I can't, I can't teach you how to speak in tongues. We, we, don't, we don't do that here. Amen. The Spirit has to do the unction. But this is what I tell people. I'm laying a little groundwork because the Holy Ghost is going to fall in this place. I, mean, I can tell you how it felt for me and how I explain it to other people that are praying. When you feel the Holy Ghost come on you, you have an unction. Many times you'll get a stammering lip. The Holy Ghost will begin to overwhelm you. And, and you'll feel it. Something will start. You'll just feel that lip. You're just like. And, and you'll have an unction or an urge to say something, but you won't know what you're about to say. That's why it takes the faith, uh, the faith of a child. But when you feel the Holy Ghost and you feel that unction, something happens right here and you're like, uh-oh, I want to say something. It's an audible gift, which means you have to be speaking. You're going to have to speak it out. You can't think the Holy Ghost. You've got to speak the Holy Ghost out. You may have a syllable. You may have one word. You, you may not have much. But when you feel the Holy Ghost come on you and you're like, ah, you just begin to speak it out by faith. And it won't take just a moment when you begin to speak that. The Holy Ghost is going to begin to speak through you. There's not a magic wand. You worship God. You'll feel it fall on you. And you just let it go. It's that easy, folk. It's that easy to receive the Holy Ghost. So I want to preach to you just for a few moments this morning on 
I put serving God in the dark. But I could have I could have easily called this loving God through the dark. Because they were in some darkness. But their faithfulness, it got them through. We've had some dark times, haven't we? But God's been faithful to us. Amen. Let's bind together for the next few moments of this service. And let's believe that God's going to do something powerful in this place. Would you go to the Lord and help me pray before we're seated today? Lord, we're nothing without you today. We need your anointing in this place. Anoint every ear to hear what your spirit and what your word would have to say. Anoint your vessel, Lord, to speak that word that is relative here today, Lord, and relevant to every heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Have your complete will and your way in this service. And everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated if you promise not to sit down. Amen. Loving God in the dark or serving God in the dark. According to Mark chapter 16, early in the morning darkness on resurrection day, there's a group of women coming to bring their spices and their aloes to the tomb to put them on the body of Jesus. For those living in that day, for those who loved the Lord, for those that followed Him, some at the foot and some afar off, That day seemed as one of the darkest days in history. And we look down the long hallway, the corridor of human history. There have been a lot of dark days. Some would say the Great Depression was some of the darkest days. Or the attack on Pearl Harbor were some of the darkest days. And some would conclude that September the 11th, 2001, when the World Trade Center towers toppled to the ground, they would say that was a dark day. Others might even think back to a year ago when we couldn't meet to have church on Resurrection Sunday and large portions of our communities were being shut down because it was the beginning phases of this pandemic. Some might have said that was a dark day when they went in the grocery store and there was no bread and there was no meat. There were very few groceries and there were no toilet paper, dear Jesus. It was a dark day. And for some, it might be a day that reminds them of great personal loss. That might be a dark day. One thing that I have learned in my few short years is that dark days are no respecter of persons. But from the standpoint of those who were close to Jesus and those who had walked with Him and talked with Him and, 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 and seen the acts that He had uh, um, done towards those uh, who came to Him to have their prayers answered uh, or to have their healings, those that took part in His life, the six hours uh, at His crucifixion uh, were the darkest hours uh, in their life. The whole day was filled with darkness 
for the Lord. Pilate extended to him a cruel scourging. The soldiers, they mocked him and gambled for his robe and his crown as they anointed him with a crown of thorns. The Lord was given a robe of purple, but not to symbolize royalty, but to mock him being called king of the Jews. And the soldiers anointed him with bitter vinegar with a sponge when he said he thirsted. He endured an incredible pain and shame that followed what happened before and after the cross on what seemed to be one of the darkest days ever. Mark chapter 15 and 33 says, When the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Darkness literally descended upon the land. While the world was mocking and ridiculing him, little did they realize there was a darkness that was not only settling on their day, but there was a darkness that was settling in to their soul. And while much of the thoughts, especially around Easter, center around the sufferings of our Jesus, can you imagine with me for a moment about what those who follow him and those who took him down from the cross and those who watched him being crucified that walked with him for three years could you imagine what they were going through and what they must have felt here was the body of a man that had literally put the whole that they put their whole hope of their lives on and now he was dead. They had left their job. They had left their family. They had left their home. They had forsaken everything for this man. And now he lays lifeless in a tomb. I have a feeling there were many tears that day. There were many sobs and many sighs that pulled every bit of life from them. There was darkness. There was incredible darkness. It was as dark as a thousand midnights. It was a deep, stifling, choking darkness that surrounded them. And as the day progressed into night, there were more who began to return to Jesus. We know that John finds his way back to the sepulcher. Peter shakes off the feelings of failure and humbly comes back to the tomb. And Mary the mother of Jesus and Mary Magdalene find their way back to the tomb. It was the lady that went and told the disciples that he's alive. That we know that John and Peter race back to the tomb. And, and, and you thought Peter first out of the boat. You would think Peter the first with a sword in a hand would have been the first one to the tomb. But John outran Peter to the tomb that day. But John stopped at the precipice of the tomb. And when Peter catches up to him Peter busts on by him and runs into the sepulcher why? Now I've shared this with you before but it's too good not to talk about today because that empty tomb it meant something different to each one of them. John was the disciple who the Bible says uh, whom Jesus loved and when John when they told him that Jesus was not there that empty tomb represented a miracle for John and when he got to the tomb and Jesus wasn't there it let him know that, that there's miracle working power and that God is alive. But Peter 
wasn't running to the tomb because he needed a miracle. Because Peter had denied Christ three times. And Peter had, had, had wept bitterly because he felt like that, 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 that he had turned his back on the Messiah. But when the young lady came to Peter and the disciples, he said, the Lord told me to tell you to go tell my disciples and Peter. And when Peter heard those words, did he really call me by name? Did he really tell you to tell Peter that he's alive? So John needed that tomb to be empty to signify that there was a miracle. But Peter wasn't running to a miracle. Peter was running to forgiveness. And when John stopped at the edge of the tomb, Peter ran on by him. You know why? Because if you just need a miracle, you might go only so far. But when you need forgiveness, and when you need God to turn the page in your life, you'll go a little further than everybody else. Peter said, pardon me, John, because if that tomb's empty, then he really did say, go tell my disciples and Peter. Amen, amen, amen. John represents love. Peter represents, uh, you know, Peter represents that passion and that zeal. Love got to the tomb first, but he stopped. But that willingness and that desire to be forgiven made Peter go further than John went. And the others came to the tomb. And they saw where he endured incredible pain. Shame it was one of the darkest days. One of the darkest days. Their energies and their tears have been replaced with a feeling of deep resignation. The fact is they're facing more darkness now than they've ever faced before. Despite the fact that the sun has returned to the skies. But the story of the aloe and the spices, they don't end there. Early on that third morning, Mary and a few others come with their spices. Spices represent your, your, what you're doing for the Lord, what you're giving the Lord. It represents your worship. It represents your, your praise. They burn spices, the aroma of spices, in the Old Testament tabernacle to cover up the death. When, when they would make a sacrifice, there had to be an incense. There had to be spices to cover up the smell of death. It was, it was worship. It was something that flowed from people. So when they came that early morning to bring their spices and their aroma and, and, and that, that myrrh and those aloes unto the Lord, they came really to worship Him. They, they, they were broken and they were confused, but they showed up with what they had to honor and worship Him. Why did they show up? Because they were there, because Jesus could do for them what nobody else could do. There's a reason why they followed Him. Whether it was on the, the cobblestone streets in Jerusalem or the sandy shores of the Galilee, it didn't matter where He went, they followed Him because He spoke like no other man and he did for them what nobody else could do. Others may say, Brother Griffiths, why are you sold out? Why, why, why do you come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays? Why is living for God the most important thing in your life? Well, let me pause for a moment and just let you in on a little secret. It's because he did for me what nobody else could do. And he's still doing for me what nobody else can do. They showed up with what they had. 
They showed up to just give him what they had. But one of the greater lessons to be learned about the women coming with their spices. uh, You you have to understand the word of God says that they came with their spices to the tomb at the rising of the sun. They were there when the sun was rising. They started their walk of faith in the dark though. The sun wasn't exactly rising when they left their house that morning. But when they got to the tomb the sun was rising. But when they started out from where they were it was probably dark and foreboding but they took their spices and they took their aloe and they started out towards Jesus they could barely move their eyes were swollen with their tears but they kept putting one foot in front of the other in the dark and by the time they reached the tomb the sun had come up let let me remind somebody here today you might be in darkness a time or two you may start out in darkness carrying your spices or those things which are precious to you you may be carrying your hopes and your dreams you might be carrying your praise and your worship but if you'll trust him in the dark I promise you if you'll just keep putting one foot in front of the other you too will inevitably end up in the light why because he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light They started out in darkness. But when they got to the tomb, the sun came up. You may be in darkness right now. But if you'll be faithful with your praise. If you'll be faithful with your worship. If you'll just keep walking. The sun will rise again. The sun will rise again. Easter, Easter, Resurrection Sunday. It is the greatest. It's not over when it's over scenario. There's an old, you know, there's some, some adages that say, well, you know, it's, it's, it's not over and, or until it's over. Or it's not over when it's over. Can I tell you, when it comes to the Lord, it's never over over that God always has the last word and the devil and all of his imps and the forces of darkness they thought it was over but all they did was sacrifice the lamb so he could return as the lion of the tribe of Judah they thought it was over but it wasn't over it's not over when it's over when it comes to the Lord They learned that it's not over until God says it's over. It didn't look good on Friday, but everything changed just a few days later. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what circumstances you may be up against. But hear this preacher. God can turn it around. As he stepped to Lazarus' grave and brought life where death had reigned. As he told Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones, nothing had moved for a long time. But God showed Ezekiel, nothing is ever too dead that I can't resurrect it. I don't know how long it's been since you spoke in tongues or since you felt the glory of the Lord fall on you but it's not too late. He can bring life where nothing has moved for a long time. It's not over when it's over. Easter's the greatest, greatest story of don't judge it until God gets finished. If you look around the world today, it's easy to see that in our society, in our culture, in our generation, it faces lots of darkness, moral moral darkness. People calling light darkness and darkness light. We live in a, 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 a pretty precarious 
um, uh, situation. There's darkness everywhere we look. The darkness of a ripping divorce. The darkness of gnawing depression. The darkness of of, of, of broken dreams, the, the darkness of a nagging, limiting illness, the darkness of a destroyed friendship, the darkness of a wayward child, the darkness of a life that doesn't seem fair, the darkness of paralyzing financial pressures, the, the, the darkness of a mental weariness that just simply won't go away, the darkness of a job that demands too much and returns too little, the darkness of some past mistake that never lets up, that never lets you up off the mat. Maybe it's the darkness of a family rift. Sooner or later you're going to encounter some darkness. But I've just come to tell you that darkness is no respecter of persons. But if you'll carry the spices, if you'll keep your praise and your worship, and if you'll love God through the dark, the sun will eventually rise again. The sun will rise again. The fact of the matter is, during all these times of darkness, can you serve Him? Will you trust Him? Can you love God through the dark? Can you attend the myrrh? Can you maintain your worship? Can you take care of the aloes? Can you keep your praise alive? Can you mix them together? Can you stay committed to God's kingdom and to God's house? Can you stay faithful in the darkness? Can you trust God when you cannot see God? Can you serve Him through the dark? What you don't know and understand is that God has a way of working things out for our good. If you'll just let him. So instead of struggling with the darkness, you need to turn your attention to the myrrh and the aloes. In other words, you need to turn your attention to what you can control. You can't always determine when the valley begins or how long the valley is going to stay but you can determine what you decide to do when you're in the midst of the valley Paul told Timothy I don't know when you're going to be shipwrecked I don't know when you're going to be beaten I don't know when you're going to be stoned I can't tell you when you're going to be thrown into prison but there's one thing that I can tell you Timothy I know in whom I have believed there's a lot of things I can't control there's a lot of circumstances in life that I have no control over. But I do control my love for God. I do control my praise. I do control my worship. I can't control my boss on the job. I can't control problems in the house. I can't control my health. But I can control. I know in whom I have believed. There's a lot of things I don't know. But I know him and that's enough. You can't look too hard at the dark. You have to keep your eyes on the spices and the, and the aloes. You have to get to the Lord. You have to take it to the Lord. You have to keep worshiping. You have to keep faithful. You have to keep faithful. In the Old Testament, Leah, Leah was praying for God's help. She, she was praying that Jacob would show her love and that Jacob would show her affection and and. Jacob was also married to her sister Rachel, and and uh, there there was 
there was some a sibling rivalry there, and and Leah was 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 giving him sons, and and but he was she was still fighting for Jacob's affection, and and so after she had her first son, she said, now now my husband will come unto me, now he'll show me attention, and she had her second son, and she said the same thing. She had her third son, and with each son that son that came, she said, now he's gonna his eyes will turn to me, and he'll love me, and he'll give me the respect that. I have that I need I mean she was really fighting she was going through this dark place uh, all by herself and fighting for Jacob's affection and then finally she understood I, I, I can't handle this myself it's it's too dark and I don't want to live in this darkness for the rest of my life so so I'm going to turn it over to the Lord and after she gave birth to her last son she said she said now she didn't say I hope my husband looks at me she didn't say I hope I win his love and affection but after that last son she simply said this she said now I will praise the Lord now I will worship the Lord in other words I can't fix it I can't work it out I'm in the dark I don't know how to get out of the dark but I know how to give it to the Lord and I'm going to make sure the spices and the aloe do what they got to do there's only one way to get out of the dark. You just got to keep worshiping him. You got to keep praising him. You got to stay faithful. She said, I'm going to turn it over to the Lord. And the sun shined again in her life. In other words, don't be weary in well-doing. If you don't faint, if you'll stay the course and trust him, you're going to reap what you've sown. God is working behind the scenes. You may be in some darkness right now and you don't know how you're going to get from point A to point B. And you may be asking God to do this or do that, but you're not quite sure how it's going to work out. Can I tell you that God does His best work in the dark? Can I tell you that God is behind the scenes working things out for your good? Your life, have you ever been to a, have you ever been to a play where, uh, where there's different acts in the play? There may be the first act, the second act, or the third act. So what happens... Uh, when you watch the first act, you don't get the whole story. You just get one third of the story. You might have got a little bit of the problem, but, but you don't really know where the story's heading. You don't really know the villain and, and, and you don't know who the, 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 the hero is going to be. But after the first, you could get up and say, this is a horrible play. I, I don't like this play. And if you got up and walked out, you'd have wasted your money because you didn't wait till the rest of the story was unfolded. But what happens is, after the first scene ends they pull the curtain closed and while you're out in the crowd and you're getting popcorn or you're getting a coke and, and you're waiting for the rest of the play you don't realize behind the curtain there's a lot of things you may be in the dark but behind the curtain there's people at work behind the curtain someone's pulling one prop out and putting another prop in behind the curtain they're setting up a new stage and a new scene and when the curtain opens you go, oh, that's what they were doing when nobody could see what they were doing. Can I tell you, that's how God works in your life. You may not be able to see him, but you got to trust. He's behind the curtain of my life and he's rearranging the props. And he's working for my good even when I'm not even aware of it. 
And what the enemy wants you to do, he wants you to give up on the screenwriter. He's wanting you to give up on the author and the finisher of your faith until you get to the final act. He wants you to walk away because he's trying to convince you that the way the story is headed, it's not in your best interest. But you got to let God weave the story. you got to let God finish what he started. And you may be in the dark, but when the curtain pulls back, That's what God was up to when I couldn't see what was going on. Imagine Adam and Eve. I mean, think about that. Adam, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. Adam, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you help need. And what did the Bible say? That he 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 made a sleep fall on Adam. He put some uh, some Nyquil on, (laughs) some Robitussin. He gave him, I don't know, some Holy Ghost anesthesia. I don't know. (laughs) But, but, But Adam went. And then while Adam was sleeping, while Adam was in the dark, what the Lord do? He reached in and said, I mean, I'll take this rib right here. This would be a good starting point. And he took a rib out of Adam. And he took that rib and he made him a, whoa, man. So Adam is sleeping over here. He don't know what's going on. He's just got to trust the Lord, right? And he takes that rib out. And over here, God is fashioning Eve. And and when he gets and when he gets done, he 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 I don't know, he snaps his finger, does something. Wake up, Adam. And Adam woke up because he didn't know what. He was in the dark. And when Adam woke up, he looked over and he saw. He saw Eve walking through the garden. He said, whoa, man. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. She's beautiful. And the Lord said, Adam, that's what I was doing when you was in the dark. (laughs) You didn't know what I was up to. Can I tell you that if you'll just keep living for God when the lights go out. They started with their spices and aloes in the darkness of the morning hour. But when they got to the tomb, the sun was starting to come up. I promise you, it won't always be dark. It won't always be night. The sun is going to shine again. Can I get an amen? A Sunday school teacher was telling how a little girl from a disadvantaged neighborhood impacted her life. And she showed up and... She always made, th- made sure that she got something to eat at Sunday school. And said she was delightful, but she was withdrawn and, and quiet. And she stayed to herself and, uh, and pretty much uninvolved. But on one particular day, she was teaching the lesson. And she could tell the young girl was really watching. The teacher talked about seeing God's eyes. And, and she was talking about how he loved all the children. He loved everybody. And that... One day, one day they'd make it to heaven and there'd there'd be no more pain and no more abuse and no more crying and no more sickness. And the little girl said, what'd you say? Did you say no more crying? And she said, yeah, honey, there'll there'll be no more crying. And and that even now, while you're here, that, that God can... Can, can, can dry your tears and, and, and so that your heart will never have to be broken again. And this little girl had been silent Sunday after Sunday, but on this day, that speechless, silent girl, she was captivated. In the middle of the lesson, she blurted out, she said, Is heaven for girls like me? You're saying that 
there's no tears and there'll be no more pain and, and you're saying that God can help me right now and, 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 and God loves me and God knows where I'm at. It's heaven. It's heaven for girls like me. She said, yeah, baby, heaven is for girls just like you. She said, I didn't know what to think other than I didn't know what darkness that young girl had to go back home to every Sunday. I didn't know what she had to live with. I didn't know what abuse or what language that she had to deal with. But when I talked to her about God calling us out of darkness into His marvelous light, that young girl discovered hope from a dark place in her life. And can I tell you, you too can discover hope from a dark place in your life. There was a Christian blogger named Leah and she wrote about one of her moments of darkness. She said, I gripped the steering wheel of my car and I stared at the hospital emergency doors. My heart was pounding furiously. It was like a time bomb waiting to explode. I didn't know what was going to happen with me. I didn't know what I was going to do. The pressure in my head was almost unbearable. The invisible weight on my chest felt like someone was dropping a sledgehammer on me again and again and again. Thoughts raced through my mind that I don't know if I can live through this. I wanted to scream, but I could barely breathe a whisper. I just sat there lonely even though I was married with kids. I sat there even though I had family, but I was afraid. Shattered and completely empty inside. Even though I had a career and I had a beautiful family, my life was falling apart. Should I check myself into the hospital? I didn't know. Should I, 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 should I hurt myself? I don't know what I want to do. What if they admit me into the psychiatric ward? What if they won't let me go home? What if they think that I'm crazy? What will people think if I go in there for help? Who will take care of my, my children? Will my, will my husband still love me? Will people think I'm crazy? Will my friends find out? What I'm going through. Reaching for the phone. Panic rushed over me like a tidal wave. Pools of tears cascaded down my face as I cried. Oh God, I've got to have your help. I've never felt anything like this. I've never been through anything like this. I, I, I can't handle what I'm feeling right now. She said, sitting in my car, unable to move. I continued to pray just as good as I could. And I asked God questions like, how did I get here? And why is this darkness consuming my life? I'm a Christian for heaven's sake. How can this happen to me? I'm a good person. I'm a good mother. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a good wife. Why am I feeling this? Why am I fighting anxiety? Why am I fighting depression? Things like this don't happen to good Christian women or do these. She said, I felt like such a failure. Looking back, she said, I can see how months and years of worry and stress had brought me to that day. She said, concerns about my family's finances kept me up at most nights. Stress over my high pressure job was causing erratic panic attacks. Worrying about my children's health created knots in my stomach. Struggling to get help from my aging parents resulted in midnight crying sessions. My concerns were consuming me. I had been encased and surrounded by total darkness. I was worrying. My worrying became an addiction. I didn't want to lean towards medication to help me cope and to get through each day and to help me sleep at night. My concerns were demanding my attention of every minute of every hour and every hour of every day. She said I was trying to hold it all together but I knew it was about to fall apart at the seams. On the inside I was a sea of doubt and fear haunted me. She writes I was stuck in a dark place. 
Maybe you feel like Leah does or did this morning. The stresses of life are overwhelming you. You're in a dark place. Finances, health, marriage, job, kids. You wonder if anybody sees the pain or even cares. And if I'm brave enough to cry out, will people judge me, ridicule me, or will they rescue me when the darkness lifts? When will the darkness lift? But Leah testified as she sat in that hospital parking lot that God rescued me that day. I began to pray and pour my heart out. And after praying, the Lord directed me to open my Bible to the scriptures that said, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry for help. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those that are crushed in spirit. And she said, I was crushed in spirit. But God instantly calmed my heart. And I called my husband and I told him, honey, I just got a feeling that everything is going to be all right. And she said, from that moment, the sun began to rise and the darkness began to dissipate from my life. Can I pause here as I come to a conclusion today? And can I remind you that God sees you and God hears your every cry. When no one else is aware, He's aware. He knows your every heartache. He sees your every pain. And if your heart is broken and you feel crushed from all sides, God promises to be close to you. And in our darkness we cry out, Oh God, how long is the night? Because we're well aware, the Bible says, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. But how long is the night? How long am I going to endure this darkness? The good news is, the night is always for a specific amount of time. It's not an indefinite amount of time. Every night has a start, and every night has a stop. So I got good news for you. You may be in the darkness this morning, but the sun is coming up the sun's going to shine again and morning is on morning is on the way morning is on the way can you still pursue him in the darkness like the woman with the issue of blood for 12 long years 12 years of darkness she still pursued him like Leah who made up her mind to carry the spices when she had done everything else she said now I will praise the Lord David at Ziklag, when his men were turning against him, he found a place and encouraged himself in the Lord. Can you live for God during the dark? This is, this is how it turns out for those who are willing to love God through the dark. Just keep carrying the myrrh. Don't let the aloes get spoiled. Don't let the spices spill out. Stay steady in the darkness and stay faithful in your nights because a resurrection is awaiting. Scattered throughout the Bible and throughout time, there are men and women who kept bearing spices in the dark. They kept loving God and serving Him. A faithful father who got a prodigal boy back from the pig pen, he endured the darkness and his son came back home. Yes, Lord. speak. Jarius, who had his daughter brought back from the darkness of death, he endured the night and he never lost his spices. Paul out in the deep in a ship when the ship would crack up and sink, but Paul would be saved because he said this night in this darkness, 
the word of the Lord came to me. Paul and Silas at the midnight hour in the darkness were determined to not let anybody have their spices in their aloe, but they worship God in the dark. I've come to challenge someone in this place today. You may find yourself in a dark place, but if you'll keep putting one foot in front of the other, like when those women got to the tomb, they started out in the dark, but the sun was shining again. Could we stand today? sun is going to shine again and you can stand during the darkness despite their feelings and their insecurities there was a seed of faith somewhere deep down inside that said if we can get to him with what we have we don't have much but if I can take to the Lord what I have Maybe there's something that will far exceed our wildest expectations. I have no doubt that Joseph and Nicodemus and the others probably thought it's just too hard. I can't make it to Jesus. And they might have just wanted to put their spices and their aloes to the side. But through all the pain and all the heartache and confusion, they were determined to serve God in the darkest of times. I don't know what darkness you may be trying to serve God through today. But I know there's a stop and there's a starting to the darkness. And while weeping may endure for a night, joy, joy, sweet joy is coming in the morning. And that you're not aware, you can't see what God is doing, but you've got to trust that He's working all things out to your good and you can't see what God's doing behind the scenes we couldn't see what was happening in 2020 but God brought us through all of it didn't he God's been so good to us last year I was in this pulpit preaching to to nine people there was a lot, lot more watching Here we are a year later. A few moments of darkness, but God brought us through it. If I heard it once, I probably heard it 25, 30 times. Brother Griffiths, I thought I handled this year pretty good. I, I you know, I uh, I thought I was adapting pretty well, but I'll be honest with you. I dealt with some depression. And I can't even I heard that by so so many people. I can't even explain it. But maybe it was because I couldn't go here or go there. And, and I had COVID and I fought through it and, it, and, and I got through it. And, and I was thankful for that. But, but weeks later, I'm, I'm physically, I'm doing fine. But mentally, I, why am I, there's a, I had several people tell me, I, there's, why am I facing this darkness? Why, I can't explain it, Brother Griffiths. What is going on? I'm like, you just need to trust God through it. You need to just trust God through it. And here we are on Resurrection Sunday, 2021. And God has proven again and again that he's faithful. What do you say before we leave this place? You can, 
you can do it right where you are in the balcony no matter if you want to come to the front you are more than welcome to we'll make sure that everybody keeps a, a good distance here this morning but if you're in a little bit of darkness right now it doesn't mean you're in sin it doesn't mean that your life was falling apart it just means that I, I need some clarity I'm not sure what I just need a little, I need some more faith to believe that God's working for my boat. If you need that, I'm opening this altar right now. If you just come, lift your hands or where you are. And let God renew your faith to understand that the curtain may be closed. But God is behind the scenes changing things out. And then the curtain's going to reopen and you're going to see that God wasn't wasting your time nor His time. And when the curtain opens back up, it's going to be a new day. It's going to be new scenery. Everything is going to be changed. And you're going to see that that's what God was doing in my life. Church, would you lift your hands and help me pray right now? God wants to call you out of darkness into His marvelous life. There's light for the brokenhearted. There's light for the prodigal. There's light for the broken. Let him turn the light on.
Yes, they do. Sunday's coming, and the sun's going to shine again. If Easter Sunday shows us anything, tells us anything, is everything, nothing comes to stay, everything comes to change or to pass. It didn't come to stay, it came to pass. So whatever, whatever you're working through right now, you keep your spices and you keep your aloe, you keep your worship and your praise, and inevitably you're going to walk out of that darkness into the light because he's faithful. Amen. He's faithful. Tell somebody close to you, say, he's faithful. He's faithful today. Amen. Amen. We love you so much. So thankful you've come to worship with us today. Amen. If you have a child in our Sunday school or children's church area, you're welcome to go get them. If you'll give me just a minute, I'm going to make my way back. If you're a guest here today, you brought a guest, we would love to get to meet them. We're going to make our way back to the pastor's reception and shake a few hands. God bless you. We love each and every one of you. Have a great day celebrating Resurrection Sunday with your family. Amen. Remember the Wilbanks. The Wilbanks family, the singing family will be with us next Sunday. Next Sunday, the Wilbanks will be with us. So invite somebody to the house of the Lord. God bless you. We love you.